What is up, Goal Line listeners? We are back with another episode, putting a bow on week six in the NFL as we watch a tight game here on Monday Night Football. We're about midway through the third quarter of the Cowboys and Chargers, so we'll bring you to the end of this game along with all the rest of the happenings throughout week six on the gridiron. But first, let me introduce my co-host, Jordan. What's going on, dude? Man, just uh, ready to talk another week of NFL action. It was a it was a weird one. I felt like only half the teams were prepared to play this weekend. It was like week six was the the week of the the incomplete. Yeah, you know, obviously the two heavyweights in the league fell flat. Uh, you know, seventy you could hear the seventy two Dolphins popping bottles if you listened real close uh, yesterday evening. Um, so yeah, very interesting week, man. I'm looking forward to getting into it. Want to give another shout out to uh, Buck Rasmussen for the interview last week, man. That was just incredible. Yeah, it was a uh, for our first interview. He was a perfect one to break it in. He was a uh, he was excellent, man. Just everything about him. I, I got a lot of compliments on the interview last week. So thanks everybody for listening. And yeah, thanks again to Buck for being on with us. Uh, we'll make it quick tonight. We're already about halfway through the third quarter on this game. Jordan, remind the listeners where they can find us on social media. On Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. We are at pod underscore, or wait, <laughs> goal underscore line underscore pod. And then on Instagram, we are at the goal line football show. All right, let's get into it, man. All right, I figure let's start with one of those upsets from yesterday. Uh, the question is, do you think the Jets can make a playoff push as currently constructed? <laughs> I do, man. I do. I think Robert Sala is an excellent coach. Um, I'm not going to say he's turned the corner because he could go and have a nightmare game next week, but Zach Wilson has looked at least competent. You know, he always can make the splash plays, but he's looked competent in, bet- in between the um, – the splash plays so far this year. Uh, it, dude, Aaron Rodgers, he was out on the field, no crutches, no nothing, throwing passes, throwing deep balls yesterday before the game. So, you know, he's a different kind of cat, man. Maybe there's something to it. You know, and his, you know, his ayahuasca or whatever other drugs he's pumping into his system. Um, and this guy's going to be back for the stretch run. I mean, if they're in the mix in December, uh, who's to say Aaron Rodgers couldn't come back and help him get in the playoffs? Yeah, maybe that uh, dark room shit actually works. Maybe I should go sit in a dark room for like a month or something or whatever he did a week, whatever it was, and clear my thoughts and then go out and tear my Achilles and be running around again a month later. So, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. The one thing I will give Robert Sala a ton of credit for is everybody on the outside was telling him, dude, it's time to bail on Zach Wilson. I mean, shit, we even talked about it on the show, you know. Um, everybody was telling him, dude, he, all he kept saying was this team supports him. I support him. And he just kept sticking with that mindset, dude. And it's, it's paying off right now. I mean, I'm not saying this dude's playing like all pro level quarterback, but he's doing enough to get his team to win. Uh, his defense, I mean, their defense is nails. So you just need to get about 20 points a game and, and you can win with that defense. I mean, Honestly, they've only had one bad game the entire season, and it was the Cowboys game in week two, which kind of figured after all the adrenaline wore off of week one, even though they won that game against the Bills, you kind of figured week two they might come out flat, and they did. But, yeah, dude, everything since then, they've looked good. They're 3-3 three and three going into the bye, so I absolutely think they can make a stretch run. And then, uh, yeah, you get Rodgers back in December and anything's possible. I mean, dude, the, the crazy thing is to really think about it, like even if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt, man, if you look at their opening six weeks, you got the Bills, the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Broncos and the Dolphins. I don't think it's the end of the world if you're three and three with Aaron Rodgers after those first six games. No, I agree. They uh, they've they've quietly been a good football team. I mean, they're not they're not world beaters or anything the way the roster is currently constructed, but. They're good, man. They, they play hard, and and also they did not play the Dolphins yet. Just so we're clear, they played the Eagles, not the Dolphins. But oh my bad, I don't know where I got Dolphins. Yeah, from. I was like, they did not play the Dolphins. We would have remembered that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, they got they, dude. They have such a young roster. That's the biggest thing. Like, I mean, when you got playmakers like Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson on offense, both those guys are super young. Um, I mean, shit, when they're both on, you could argue they're top 10 at their position. So, yeah, it's a, 
It's going to be interesting to see how they play down the stretch, though, because, I mean, Zach Wilson could turn into a pumpkin at any point. Let's be serious. The big thing is that it seems like the vibes are good this year. It seemed like last year, I don't know if it was something he was doing or just something in the water there in the locker room, man. It seemed like the team was ready to kind of almost mutiny against this guy, and they weren't with him. Whereas this year, even when he's struggling, man, it seems like the team is still rallying around him, and they believe that they can win with him at quarterback. You know, you saw that game against the Chiefs, man. He was beating himself up after that late fumble, and his teammates are, like, lifting him up, letting him know, like, bro, this this ain't on you. Um so yeah, I'm liking what I'm seeing, man. I've been a fan of the guy, dude. I think he, you know, I mean, he's brought some of it on himself. He has had some horrible games and made some bonehead decisions, but I, the, the big plays were still enticing enough for me that I thought there was hope for this guy if they just had a little bit of patience. So uh, hopefully he does something this season. You know, if he has a real strong year, we'll see what happens in the offseason. Maybe a team trades for him if Aaron Rodgers is going to stay with the Jets one more year. I don't know, but it's been, it's definitely been interesting to watch. They've been one of the more entertaining teams in the league for sure so far. Yeah, I agree. They're they're definitely playing way above uh, what Zach Wilson's talent level has shown us. So, yeah, they're they're gonna be in it at the end. All right, let's go to the other one. Um, another big upset, man. Cleveland's defense is just nasty. nasty. Dude. They just they get after it on every single play. Miles Garrett was. I mean, he didn't have a sack in that game, but dude, some of the stuff he was doing to Trent Williams, who never gets bullied in in a game, dude, th- this defense is going to keep them in a lot of games, assuming that pervert doesn't screw him out all these games. <laughs> but hey, look, look what happens. They play another experienced quarterback instead of the pervert, and they win first game against what all of us thought was easily the best team in the NFL. So I feel like we have to give the Browns some kudos this week because they did look really good on defense. Offense, I mean, they did enough to win against arguably yeah. the best defense in the NFL. So you got to give them P.J. Walker didn't – he didn't blow the game. He didn't He didn't win it for him, but he didn't lose it for him either. Yeah. Um, 49ers, there is some concerns coming out of this game, dude. Debo banged up again. Christian McCaffrey banged up again. Like, dude, you lose those two guys, that offense all of a sudden doesn't look as great. I mean, I know that's not earth or uh, earth shattering news or anything, but dude, without them, th- that really limits what they can do on offense. And you saw it yesterday, dude. Purdy, without the help of those weapons, a lot of the game yesterday, he just looked like another guy. Yeah, he he struggled big time. I think you got to have those playmakers on the field because, you know, Brandon Ayuk is the closest thing they have to a vertical threat. And he's he's a long ways away from, you know, being a Tyreek Hill or like a Randy Moss in his prime. They don't their offense really isn't that man like they throw it. They throw it downfield, but it's on like crossers and and, uh, you know, deep outs and stuff. They don't really have that vertical threat. So when you take away some of those those key playmakers like McCaffrey and Debo, it just lets that defense just really tighten up. And that's what it seemed like. It seemed like they were just clogging passing lanes, um, not letting Brock Purdy go to option A or option B. And he had a rough game, man. I'm not I don't don't think anybody should be jumping off the Brock Purdy uh, bandwagon off this because, you know, he had a rough game in the rain in Cleveland against the best defense with two of his playmakers down. Um, but it's definitely cause for concern, man. Uh, you know, you got to start to wonder, like, was that the true Brock Purdy that we saw yesterday? And like you said, has all the criticisms that he is just a guy, have they been accurate? Because he definitely looked like that yesterday. Uh, but yeah, shout out to the Browns defense. I got a stat for you, man. They have, this is, no team since 1971 has allowed this few yards through five games. Yeah, dude. They haven't even allowed a thousand yards yet, have they? Uh, I want to say it was it was right at it, man. Let me let me pull up. I literally just looked up the stat. I think it's they're close. at a thousand and two. Yeah, a thousand and two yards is what they're at right in now. In five games, dude, that's unreal. Like two hundred yards a game in today's NFL is incredible. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Insane. I mean, if Deshaun Watson can come back and literally give them, if he can give them, if he can get them twenty points a game, man, if they can get twenty points a game, they get they got a chance to run through the AFC. We've seen it before, man. Like historically. Great, great defense beats great offense, man. You saw it with the the 2000 Ravens um, a long time ago. That team went like five games in the regular season without scoring a touchdown on offense and still made it all the way through the Super Bowl. Um, most recently, we saw it with the 2013 Seahawks. You know, they were going up against a Broncos team. Peyton Manning set the record for most touchdown passes in a year. They looked absolutely unstoppable. And the Seahawks put the clamps on them in the Super Bowl. Um, so, 
Yeah, I mean, this team, it's it's going to be ugly. I don't. I think even if Deshaun Watson's at his absolute best he can be nowadays the rest of the way, I don't think they're going to be blowing anybody out. But the Browns are definitely a team to be reckoned with. And if you're in, you know, if you're playing January football, you do not want to look up on the schedule and see you got the Browns coming to town because that is going to be a tough team to get past in the playoffs. One thing about the Niners that I, I, I don't know why, but I just really started to notice it this year. Dude, it's like every other game they don't even use Kittle. I don't I just don't understand the usage of him. Like he's a top five tight end in the NFL. I mean, he's like one of the most sure handed tight ends in the NFL. And it's like every other game they barely even use him. I mean, yesterday he had one catch for one yard. He's probably the best pure receiver that they have. I mean, Debo is a hybrid. The other guys they have are kind of talented role players. Like, yeah, he's probably the best straight-up receiver they have on that team. I agree, man. I think, you know, it sounds like Debo's day-to-day and Christian McCaffrey's in a little bit better shape, but I think they definitely got to think about the usage of CMC the rest of the way. I said to Sheena yesterday, man, like, they're just giving him the ball too much, dude. It seemed like every other player, they're handing it off to Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, he can be that workhorse back, but he's got a little bit of an injury history, and just why would you risk it, man? Like, if you're the Niners, you know you're going to be – you know, one of the final eight teams playing football, dude, you want, I want CMC at a hundred percent come January. That's my number one goal. If I'm the 49ers, especially their style of football, it'll travel, dude. I don't think getting home field advantage is a big a deal to them as it is to, you know, maybe some other teams. Um, so yeah, I would like to see Christian McCaffrey a little bit lighter workload the rest of the way. Yeah. It's just baffling how much they give him the ball, knowing that he is injury prone in his career. It's just, it's one of the things I don't get, like him playing in the second half last week, like just totally unnecessary, putting more hits on his body than you need to. I mean, that game was never in doubt last week, and they just kept kept him out there, and he kept taking hits. I just Their usage of their players is weird, but I mean, I think that's every NFL team right now. So um, l- let's just dive into both of our teams. I feel like we don't touch on both of our teams enough. Somebody even said something about it the other day. They're like, why don't you guys ever talk about the Falcons and the Titans? Well, usually they're not deserving over time, but I, <laughs> I feel like we at least have to touch on both of them because what they both did yesterday was absolutely pathetic. I just they gotta get rid of their quarterbacks, man. Both of them, dude. The Titans have a good team. The the defense is really good, and the offense is at least decent. But dude, I love Tannehill, man. Salute to him, dude's a fucking trooper. But it's time to move on, man. Even as it, Malik Willis didn't look great, but he at least gave him something when he came in, man. And I don't know what the deal is with Will Levis. I don't know if Will Levis, like, you know, freaking slid in the DMs of Mike Vrabel's wife or what, man. I, there, there's not really a lot of news on why this guy can't get on the field for the Titans. But, yeah, Tannehill is just – I've said it before, man. They're playing with one arm tied behind their back every time they roll Tannehill out as a starting quarterback. I am not going to lie to you. I don't think Ritter is the entire problem for the Falcons. Like, dude – Arthur Smith did that guy no favors yesterday. Why is he throwing the ball 47 times with Desmond Ritter? You just drafted a running back in the top eight, and you don't even use him. Like, he used Tyler Algier yesterday more than he used Bijan, and that's two weeks in a row, dude. It's starting to get a little concerning. So, the last – I'll just go the last four weeks. Bijan rushing totals are 13 for 37, 14 for 46, 14 for 105, and 10 for 33. Granted, he catches the ball out of the backfield quite a bit. He caught five yesterday, two last week, five the week before, and four the week before that. I I just don't think Arthur Smith knows how to use him, man. There is no way Tyler Algier should be out touching Bijan Robinson in any world. I just – dude, you, that team cannot win throwing the ball more than 40 times. I've, I've seen him play every game for the last five years – and they cannot win throwing the ball that much. They just they can't. It, it's it's not it's not a good enough roster to throw the ball that much. I mean, dude, your only top two targets for receivers are Pitts and London, and they finally used London a lot yesterday, which was good to see. It kind yeah, of seems, hundred yards receiving, right? Yeah, they're starting to use um, Pitts a little bit better, but I still don't like his usage. And Dude, it seems like they get into a third and long and they throw the ball to Mac Hollins or uh, Hodge or I, I just I don't get it, man. It's like, why did you you drafted for three years in a row offensive weapons? And it seems like you don't know how to use any of them. The the Bijan thing is 
I thought I might have been overreacting a little bit. And then this morning I listened to Monday morning NFL radio, which is like just my go to every Monday morning. And they were like, this dude is basically like a a smaller version of Derrick Henry. Like he can run the ball as many times as you'll give it to him. And it's like Arthur Smith is hesitant to run him, which I, I don't get. Like the entire point of drafting this dude was to use him the way he's meant to be used. And He's just not, man. Yeah, and that was a great a great uh, point right there, man. He is similar to Derrick Henry in that he's a home run hitter. So you got to keep feeding him the rock, even if he's you know only getting two, three yards of carry, dude, because eventually he's going to break one off, and he could take it to the house, man. Seeing the same thing a lot with the Titans, dude. Derrick Henry's getting, you know, he'll be sitting at like 14 carries for 50 yards, and he'll just break off a 70-yarder like it's nothing, man. You just got to keep giving those guys opportunities to make the big play for you. Well, the problem is, too, is like, how is he ever going to get into any rhythm if you run him one time and then bring Algier in for four plays? Like, dude, I get it. Tyler Algier had a thousand yard season last year. Tyler Algier is also a fifth round pick and you're treating him like he's just as good as Bijan. He is not like I've seen Bijan do things that there's a lot of running backs in the NFL that can't do. And I don't don't know, man, I'm I'm about two more bad games away from Arthur Smith from me just calling for his head because I get it. The popular thing is always to blame the quarterback, but dude, they cannot throw the ball 47 times and win. And the worst part is that was a close game the whole time. And his decision to go for two when they would have only been down seven, if they would just kick the extra point, what are you doing, dude? Just kick the extra point. You gave Washington unneeded momentum by not getting that two point conversion. I just, I don't know, man. Coaches just try to outsmart themselves way too much. Yeah, that became the cute thing to do. I want to say maybe starting about two seasons ago, it was like, all right, if you're down 14 late and you score, just go for two. Um, I'm not sure I've seen it work out, man. I don't think I've seen it work out where a team gets a two-point conversion and goes down and scores again. To you know, and just kicks the extra point for the win, dude. It's and, and you put so much pressure on your team if you miss that, and then you have to get the two point conversion just to tie it. I just, I get, I get the number side of it right, but unless you have like a play that you absolutely know is unstoppable for the two point conversion, um, you shouldn't do it, man. You know, what I mean, if you're going to employ that, you need to have, you know, every team's got them. I mean, shoot, on our little flag football team, I have like four plays that I know, like, don't run these at any other time. Like, they're, they're money plays, and I'm saving them for if we got to get a conversion down by the goal line. Um, so every team's got these plays like this. You got to save those for that situation. And if, if that was the, you know, if the, that was the play that the Falcons had when they uh, tried that, like, Nah, man, that was not it, dude. So I, I'm with you, man. I think Arthur Smith's definitely got a big slice of the blame pie. But where are you at on Ritter, dude? Are you would you be shedding any tears if they say if they come out tomorrow and say Heineke starting this week? No, I, I wouldn't because I, I don't mind giving someone else a chance if it's going to make us better. The problem is, is if that's the game plan you're going to run, I don't care who you have a quarterback. It, it's not going to be good enough for that offense. Like that's just not the offense they should be running. I mean. Granted, I know I'm not an NFL head coach, but, dude, it's pretty easy to put two and two together. You should be relying on the run game and then throwing when you need to off play action and stuff. I mean, when Tennessee was good, that's what they did. Like, when he was offense coordinator and they were good, they relied on the running game and then did play action when they needed to. Desmond Ritter was the best in the (laughs) league on play action. He was killing it on. Desmond Ritter is not going to go out and win an MVP award by any stretch. And I'm not going to say he is, but he's good enough to be an NFL quarterback when you put him in the right position. And yeah, having him throw the ball 47 times is not the right position to be putting him in. I just feel like on a, on a Sunday with Michael Vick and Matt Ryan in the house, it just had to be an absolutely dreadful, dreadful experience for, uh, for the dirty bird nation. Yeah, it's it's not good, man. It's just especially when you're playing a team that just got dropped a 40 burger on their head by the Bears a week before that. Like, I mean, dude, this is why the NFL is the way it is. You can't ever count any game as a win. And I, I part of me thinks the Falcons just went in that game expecting to win. And then when the commanders came out and didn't lay down, they just got punched in the mouth and didn't know how to react. So who was that for the Falcons? They got straight up freight trained on the goal line. Oh, um, you know what, dude? I don't even want to think about it anymore. Let's move on. <laughs> dude, that looked like something in wrestling, man. It looked like the guy for Washington was straight up holding him up just for just for him to get trucked, dude. That was brutal. 
was not a good game yesterday. I was very disappointed in the team overall. One thing I will say, I was giving them shit yesterday. The defense played another really good game. Like, I mean, I'm I'm gonna yeah. They got put in a lot of bad positions <clears throat> by their offense. Defense held tough, man. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I, I still think the Falcons are a scrappy team. They're they're so much better than what they showed yesterday. The, the, but um, the Commanders had 193 yards yesterday. The Falcons had 402, and the Falcons lost by eight points. Falcons had 79 plays to the Commanders 50. You you cannot. Yeah, they're in. A, it's a very very winnable division, but they you know if you're going to be in the mix, you got to take care of business at home against a team like Washington. Yeah, it's it. It's not good, not good at all. And they had so many opportunities down on the Washington end of the field, and they just didn't finish them. So, not good. Um, let's talk about the London games. Um, just kind of give me your thoughts on the London games. Do you think it's it's a success. I mean, it's it's definitely getting getting more eyes on the NFL. I get that, but dude, the game quality is just so bad. That game yesterday, the Ravens and Titans, there was nine field goals kicked in that game. That is awful football, <laughs> dude. I just I, I don't know that's, how, uh, that's, that, how that's portraying the beautiful game we love to the international fans. I think Nick Folk, the Titans kicker, already has something like 18 or 19 field goals on the season already, man. That's kind of the Titans MO. All they, they don't score touchdowns. They like to just kick field goals. But yeah, I as far as the actual games go, I'm not a huge fan. I kind of I really like packing it in with the as many games as possible between that uh that, you know, 12 or 1 p.m. kickoff time and the four four o'clock, three o'clock kickoff time, just because I love watching red zone on Sundays with as many games going as once. Um I mean, I I think it should go back to being like once a year, dude. As yeah. a for me, just as a television watcher, dude, I think once a year is cool to have like eight o'clock in the morning football. Um, but what do we have? I think we're going to end up having like six international games this season. And yeah, dude, I mean, you're already making so much money. Like, dude, does the NFL really need additional revenue streams? I know you you hear the that you know the pie in the sky idea is eventually there's going to be a team in London. I just can't see it, man. I feel like the logistics would be such a nightmare. I feel like you would almost have to, um, you know, make certain rules and concessions around that team just to make it work. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I'm i not a huge fan of it. I, I was cool that being a once a year, like the international series type deal. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on it. Bro, it, do you realize that in two weeks from – three weeks from yesterday, two weeks from this coming Sunday – we get possibly the best game of the season, the Chiefs and the Dolphins in Germany at eight thirty in the morning. <laughs> that one's tragic, dude. Yeah, that is that, that's I, I, that has the potential to be the best international game in NFL history, but we'll see if it actually delivers. Yeah, it's not good. But um, last one, worried about the Bills at all? I, starting to get some some bad vibes from the Bills, man. Like. Their offense is not doing what I thought they would do at all, and their defense is so banged up. Now they've lost so many guys in the first six weeks of the season. I'm starting to get a little bit nervous about my Bills Super Bowl pick. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, man. We, we t- you know, uh, peek behind the curtain. We talked about this a little bit, just texting back and forth last night. Dude, to me, I think the Giants were in desperation mode, man. They're kind of in almost a loser leaves town match. Um, yeah. last night, you know, it's almost impossible to climb out of the hole they've dug themselves into at this point. And Tyrod Taylor can low key ball, dude. Like that's another thing, dude, that dude has never gotten the fair shake he deserves as an NFL starter. I feel like he's been productive just about every time he's gotten a chance. Um, I think they were playing for their lives and dude, it's the NFL, man. Like the, you know, it's cliche at this point, but any given Sunday, man, the, the gap yeah. between the best teams and the worst teams isn't nearly as much as we think it is. And I think the Giants just were playing their hearts out when the Bill, you know, I think the Giants played their best game last night and the Bills played like a C plus and it was still good enough to win. So I'm still confident that the Bills are, are going all the way this year. I think they're going to continue to improve uh, throughout the season and be peaking come January instead of peaking late November like we saw last year. So, yeah, what I, I would have loved to see them just beat the brakes off the Giants, but you know, sometimes holding on for a close win like that, you get a lot of equity out of that as well, man. So I'm not hitting the panic meter yet on the Bills, even though it's been a little bit less than impressive uh, so far this season. All right. And as always, we close out the weekly topics with the race to number one. So nothing changed. Panthers are still on top at 0-6, which that pick goes to the Bears. Bears number two, Broncos three, followed by Cardinals, Giants, New England, all at one and five. 
Um, dude, which, what do you do if you're the Bears and you, you end up to, with the top two picks? You don't, it looks you don't, like a loaded draft class coming out, too. Dude, man. you don't have a choice. You have to draft a quarterback and the receiver from uh, Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr. You, you do not have a choice. Like, you trade Justin Fields, get whatever you can for him. But, dude, okay, so they passed on one last year, and C.J. Stroud looks like he could be a generational player. And then this year, you got Caleb Williams coming out, so... I just, and Drake I, May, dude. Drake May's killing it too at North Carolina, dude. I'm interested to see once the yeah, season ends the how it shakes is, out when the evaluators really dig in on both yeah. those guys. The problem is, is the Bears cannot take another North Carolina quarterback when you've got one of the best yeah. college quarterbacks on the board. That was, did not work out last time. <laughs> I was about to ask if you think Mitch Trubisky has actually hurt Drake May's stock, dude. Because they actually, I think Drake May is a lot better than Mitch Trubisky was, but they kind of have similar profiles, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know. You can't look past the race thing that they're they're both like mobile white quarterbacks um, and come, coming out of North Carolina. So, yeah, I'm interested to see if that some of that Trubisky stank uh, sticks with him. And you're right. The Bears fans just might not accept that. So maybe it is Caleb Williams. And then dude, the thing is, man, I can't see teams trading up to draft a wide receiver. I could see a team giving up a king's ransom to move up and get a quarterback so maybe you see somebody jump in from that four spot dude uh you know four or five spot to and they're going to give you just a huge haul of picks man to move out of the two out of that number two slot if it does end up working out like that um if you know if anything the bears are pretty much going to be able to chart their course this this draft and and do exactly what they want to do because they're going to have so much capital even if it ends up being like the second and fourth pick not not the first and second pick they're still going to be able to really have a a great launching point for whoever that new coach is coming in assuming you know that Everfluss does not survive the season okay so while I agree with you you are correct but you cannot trade the number one pick two seasons in a row and not get the best player like Bears fans are still pretty pissed about not getting the number one pick this year because, I mean, dude, they pass on a lot of talent, not even just quarterback. I mean, they could add Jalen Carter. They could add Will Anderson, who looks generational. You had Bijan. I mean, I don't know, man. I just – I don't I don't think, think they trade the, the the top pick. I think they might trade that whatever that oh, second, second pick, pick ends yeah. up being. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's possible. But, again, dude, if, if you're trying to build your franchise, you should be taking the best two players. And to me right now – if you're talking right now today, it's Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. Like that, that could be like the foundation of your of your franchise. But I don't know, man. They're, yeah, they're if I'm not- the Bears, definitely keeping that first pick, and I'm leaning towards keeping whatever that second pick. And you got to figure they're both going to be top five, right? So I'm definitely keeping the top pick. And that second one, I'm planning on keeping it, but I'm at least listening to offers. I'll, I'll allow myself to be wooed if I'm the Bears. I'm maybe not. I'm not necessarily shopping it around like it sounds like they did. Uh, with the pick last season, but I'm at least uh, I'm at least going to entertain offers. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, no doubt. But yeah, um, yeah, that's it for race to number one. That's uh, all I got all for right, headlines. We got the Cowboys in the uh, in the red zone trying to go up on the Chargers. What's your read on this game, man? With 13 minutes to go, dude, do you think the Cowboys get the dub? I think the Cowboys need this win way more, which usually ends in their impending doom. Um, usually when they need a win, they usually completely piss it down their leg. But I just feel I like mean, that's both these teams in a tight yeah. game. I feel like I feel like these teams are like like passing the live hand grenade back and forth. Like who is going to blow this game in disastrous fashion first? I feel like the Cowboys are definitely the better team. They, they definitely have a, a better overall roster. So I would expect them to win this game. But I mean... It's 10-10 ball game with Dak Prescott with the ball in his hands. Is this really what you want? So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to hate on Dallas, but, dude, like everybody knows this is not what you want here in this situation. I mean, they just flashed a stat that they have the lowest scoring red zone offense in the NFL. Like, it's not good. Yeah, I mean, and it's Mike McCarthy against Brandon Staley. It's like the Spider-Man meme of, like, you know, bad late-game management. Yeah, not good. All right, let's get into UniWatch. All right, uh, first off, what are you sipping on, man? I am drinking another pumpkin beer tonight, so I went back to uh, Welcome Home Great Pumpkin. It's a Midwest Midwest Pumpkin Patch Ale. 
Um, it's, it's really good. It's not like the, the fruitier one. It's, it's got like nutmeg and all that stuff in it. So yeah, it's definitely good. You like a little nutmeg? Who doesn't? I am bringing the testosterone. Speaking of nutmeg, I'm drinking a blueberry lemonade, simply spiked. Wow. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. Uh, so we had the second time around already for a couple alternates. Um, first off the Browns rocking the all whites a second time around. We didn't like them. Do you think they looked a little bit better as they were ending the, uh, the Niners undefeated season? Yeah, they definitely looked better this week. I think maybe the rain helped it a little bit too, cause they got dirty. <laughs> dude, I was going to say, man, I think the rainy cloudy aesthetic kind of helped, dude. Maybe they, they, they were just like kind of too washed out and too super bright. The last time we saw it under, under the lights, man, I think, uh, I, yeah, I think that rainy kind of gray Cleveland vibe just worked this time around. Yeah, they they definitely look better this go around. I'll say that. And we also got to see one of the best uniforms in football, the Falcons rocking the throwbacks. Dude, they never win in these jerseys, though. It's like starting to become a problem. Uh, I, every time they wear these, they look so clean, but they never win when they have the alternate helmet on. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely become a thing, man. I felt they used to kick ass. Maybe it was back in the day. Maybe they did a better job. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, they kind of scheduled them for winnable games this season too. But uh, but yeah, man. I feel like back in the day, it was you could you could clock it. It's going to be a dub with the Falcons rocking the throwbacks. Yeah. Uh, another. This was just an absolutely beautiful aesthetic for a game, dude. The the creamsicle bucks going against the Lions and that silver and Honolulu blue. I just thought that was an absolutely beautiful game to look at. And it's the first time we've seen the creamsicles in over 4,000 days. I saw that tweet out there. Uh, I thought that Nike executed these beautifully. Speaking of teams that never went in throwback jerseys, the Bucks and the Sucksicle jerseys. They, I, Dude, I can't remember the last time I saw them win a game in those jerseys. I hated those jerseys as a uh, as a kid, man. Like when I was first getting into football, I thought they were so awful, and it was such a huge upgrade when they switched to the uh, the pewter and red after Tony Dungy got there. Um, but it is just like a nice little nostalgia blast seeing them come back now. Oh yeah. All right, and last so both of our primetime games this week, teams were busting out the alternates. Last night we had the Bills in the all red and the Giants in those beautiful uh, '90s away jerseys. You talk about a beautiful aesthetic. Last night I like those all red Bills unis. I think they look clean on the field, and um, yeah, those Giants jerseys with the Giants helmet are unmatched. Those are—I don't even know why they would wear anything other than those at this point, honestly. Yeah, they look great. They switched to that, um, like that almost like old timey looking like New York logo and those jerseys whenever Eli um, got drafted back in 2004. But I think that, you know, last night they just looked fucking awesome. Like I was waiting for Lawrence Taylor to come running out of the ta- uh, out of the tunnel, you know? Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Dak just threw a touchdown pass so I can shut up. Yeah, I saw that hit Brandon Cooks for the touchdown, but there's still plenty of time for the Cowboys to screw this one away. Also, and speaking of, time of Cowboys for tonight, Stanley. the Cowboys. Rocking their uh, their '90s alternates, the uh, with the white helmets and the the all white unis, with kind of just different color blocking on the shoulders, and we got the Chargers in the powder blue with the yellow pants. Both beautiful jerseys. I, I love those Cowboys jerseys. They just they remind me of the '90s. Yeah, te- the teams brought it on the uniforms uh, this week for sure. All right, let's get into our picks. All right, that was a little blooper there, but I actually think it kind of worked, man. We've normally been using Underground Kings by uh, by Drake for the intro for uh, the pick segment, but I when I was loading up the soundboard, I grabbed Underground Kings by by uh, Bum B and Pimp C, man. I think it kind of hit. Yeah, that was a good one. Good, good little mix up. <laughs> As Bob Ross would say, that was a happy little accident right there. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's get into our. Oh yeah, how did we do last week? This is a close one, man. It was separated by one game. The The Minnesota and Chicago game decided it. I took Chicago. You took Minnesota. I went, oh 10, and, I went 10 and 4. You went 11 and 3. Solid week of picks for both of us, though. So I'll give myself the Barry Horowitz pat on the back. But does that put you at four weeks to one right now? Um, 
so I don't have the exact stats right now, but I no, I think you've won two. So I I think we tied one okay. week. So I think it's three, two, and one. All right, I think you might be wrong on that, but I'm not going to challenge it. I'm going to take it, dude. So three, two, and one. All right, let's get into the slate this week. So Thursday night, we got a pretty interesting game. Jaguars should be able to handle their business, but they're traveling to New Orleans on a short week to play Thursday night football against the Saints. And Trevor Lawrence is banged up. Um, dude, sneaky tough game for the Jags here, dude. New Orleans has still got a super strong home field advantage. They are not a good team, though, man. I watched some of that Texans game yesterday, dude. New Orleans' offense is god awful. Yeah, three and three is not any <laughs> kind of like super gaudy record, but these guys are absolutely there's they're shutting off all the alarms on the uh, the phony alert, man. They should they they are not a five hundred team at all. They've kind of just stumbled into that record so far. I'm going Jaguars. I think Lawrence will play, and I think he'll play well enough to win. And I just think Jacksonville's a better team than New Orleans overall. Vegas has New Orleans as three point favorites. Man, I always uh, that always makes me a little nervous, dude. I f- but I think that's just because the home field advantage in the short week. I agree. I think the Jags are a good enough team to overcome it, and the Jaguars win. All right, opening up our Sunday slate. We got the the red hot Cleveland Browns heading to Indy to face the Colts. I think the Browns punish Gardner Minshew, and I think they get to four and two. And that's whether or not Deshaun Watson plays. Yeah, uh, we saw something from the Colts yesterday when they when you put pressure on Minshew, he cannot handle it. I mean, there's a reason this dude's a backup quarterback. Is he good? Yes, but he is not. He's not going to win you a bunch of games with with his talent. So, yeah, I'm going Cleveland as well. Yeah, he's a great, great backup quarterback. Can come in and be totally serviceable um, for a series or two or for a game or two. But, yeah, it's looking rough. If if the reports are true, that Anthony Richardson is done for the season. Um, Not looking good for the Colts the rest of the way. So Deshaun Watson, man, we didn't touch on it earlier. Do you think there's something going on here or do you think it's legit just a nagging injury that he's not been able to get rid of? Because Stefanski said he's medically cleared to play. He's been cleared twice to play now. Like they cleared him. Including a bye week in between. They cleared him before the game that he sat out two weeks ago. And then they cleared him again on the bye week to play this game yesterday and he didn't play again. I think there's something more than just him being hurt. I think there's something going on. He was on the sidelines and was seen like celebrating and enjoying the win. And PJ Walker talked about him helping out, but he hasn't talked to the press any. um, And he had been doing that. I think every Wednesday he'd been talking to the media. So yeah, just something to keep an eye on, man. Something, you know, you always feel like there's going to kind of be more than meets the eye if it's a situation with this, this weirdo. So we'll see how it plays out, but yeah, things are definitely looking up for the Browns. Yep. All right, man. The Patriots potentially going to one and six. They 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 got the Bills coming to town this Sunday. It ain't gonna go well. I just I don't think the Patriots are as bad as their record, but I also don't think they're good enough to beat a really good team. And although I do have doubts about the Bills Super Bowl right now, I just I think they're just the better team and I think they showed on Sunday. What a disaster the post Brady Patriots are turning into. Yeah, it's it's tough, man, because so I think while it was working, it, it, nobody wanted to question it. But, dude, Belichick being the GM and the head coach, that's just not a good idea in today's NFL. You need to have somebody call you on your shit when you're doing the wrong thing. And he just doesn't have that because he has all the power. So, All right. We got the three Hold and three you commanders. Didn't you didn't pick. Oh, yeah. I mean, my bad. Goes without saying Bills. Bills take this one. All right, we got the uh, three and three commanders traveling to New York to face the one and five Giants, man. I think, you know, records, throw the records out the window. I, I liked what I saw last night at the Giants. I think they end their touchdown list streak, and I think the uh, the Giants get off the, off the losing streak and beat Washington on Sunday. Nothing the commanders did yesterday made me think they're a good football team at all. And I know that says a lot about my team too, but they're, <laughs> they're just, they're not good, dude. Their offense is bad. Everybody's like sweet talking Eric B right now about like, he's going to get a head coaching job dude through six games. I don't know what everybody else is watching that I'm not seeing, but I ain't seeing it. I just, I don't get it, but yeah, I'm going to go with the giants. I just think overall they're a better football team than they've played thus far. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with the Giants as well. 
All right, this has game of the week potential. We got the 5-1 and one Lions traveling to Baltimore to face Lamar Jackson and the 4-2 Ravens. Lions, I just... That they are a much better football team than the Ravens. I've I've watched the Ravens three times and never came away impressed with them. I just I think they're way they're a four and two team. You want to talk about phonies? I I think they are definitely in the phony category. There's just nothing about this team that strikes me as a good team. Yeah, I think, and I've heard some people talk about how well Lamar Jackson's played. One, the numbers don't really show it, and two. Just the eyeball test, man. I have not thought that he's looked great. So far this year, he's got 1,200 yards passing, five touchdowns, three interceptions. Does got another four touchdowns on the ground, but I've not been impressed at all by the Ravens. Now, they have been winning. Hats off, tip, tip of the cap for that, dude. They've been finding a way to get the dubs, um, but it has not looked uh, you know, overly impressive, man. I think the Lions get in there and win it, and I think this is where the Lions kind of level up in weight class and people really start taking them seriously as a Super Bowl contender. I don't know why anybody's not taking them seriously right now, dude. They're they're good, man. That that Seahawks game week two, I feel like that was a bit of a fluke where they just don't play well against them because they have not had a close game since then. Like they just, I mean, the first two games they had were close. They beat the Chiefs at, at Kansas City, and then obviously they lost against the Seahawks at home. But ever since then, dude, they've just looked like a team on a mission. Now you got Jamison Williams back in the mix, too. He had a long touchdown on Sunday to add even more gas to that he offense, has, man. He has six touches and three touchdowns. That's crazy. Yeah. I uh, I think the the doubt comes from the fact that it's Detroit and Jared Goff at quarterback, man. It's, there's still kind of like a, a little bit of a low ceiling on exactly how much confidence you're going to have in that guy. Yeah, agreed. But he's proven everybody wrong so far this year, for sure, man. They're they're playing great. Um, all right, we got the three and three Raiders traveling to Chicago to face the one and five Bears. Do we know what Justin Fields' status he's is? Not I haven't playing. heard any. It, I haven't seen it, any. It does not sound like he's playing this week. It sounds like they're going to sit him this week with a dislocated thumb because it's on his throwing hand. <laughs> So I'll take the Raiders then, dude. Yeah. I put the Raiders in the same category as the Saints, like phony three and three teams. Um, Hold on a second. But here. yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to look just to make sure I read that right today, just so I'm not. No, it is. Yeah, news. I'm looking at it right now. Dislocated thumb, highly doubtful to play against the Raiders. So that being the case, I'll take the Raiders. I think if Justin Fields was playing, I would pick the Bears just because I have zero faith in the Raiders to do anything. Um, but yeah, I'll take the Raiders this week. Yeah, I'm going Raiders as well. Not that I had a ton of faith in the Bears, even with Justin Fields, but I have way less with them playing Tyler Bagnett or whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> it's Bagent, like agent with a B. Right, whatever. <laughs> Tyler Baguette. Sorry, Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> <laughs> All right. NFC South showdown, man. The three and three Falcons go down to Raymond James Stadium to face Baker Mayfield and the three and two Bucks. Uh dude, I, I think the Bucks win and I'll double down on it and say we officially see the end of the Desmond Ritter era in Atlanta on uh on Sunday. Yeah, I do I do not have a good feeling about this game. I'm gonna go Bucks as well. I have no faith in the Falcons after yesterday. Like Arthur Smith does not know what he's doing. I'm sorry. He just, he doesn't. So, no. Bucks coming off a tough loss. They actually, I, I caught a lot of that game, man. They played, um, you know, 20 to 6 isn't an embarrassing score. It can seem like the Lions. The Bucks played them pretty tough, man. They were, they were hanging right there in the mix. Uh, and yeah, I think they're going to come off angry off that loss. And yeah, it seems like, seems like the arrow's pointing up for the Bucks, man, even though we thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Whereas the Falcons, dude, like that's, I can't imagine how tense it is in that that facility right now. You know, the season started with so much hope, and now you got your coach and your quarterback both on the on the hot seat. Yeah, it's not not a good place to be. The three and two Steelers traveling to Los Angeles to face the three and three Rams. Man, dude, Steelers coming off the bye week. The Rams with Cooper Cup. Dude, that that dude sat out all that time and does not look like he's missed a beat at all. He's still a top three receiver in the NFL. Just he's so good. Um, yeah, I, I'm going Rams in this game. I just think they're the better team overall. I've not been impressed with the Steelers one time this season. So, yeah, I'm not taking. Uh, I'm not going to pick Kenny Pickett over Matt Stafford. Nope. I would take the uh, the Rams as well. 
All right, the one and five Cardinals head up to Seattle to face the three and two Seahawks. I think the Seahawks handle their business and lay the smackdown on Arizona. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this game's going to be a blowout, but I think the Seahawks definitely win. The two and three Packers heading to Denver to face the one and five Russell Wilson oh and Sean Payton Broncos. My man, God, dude, if they if if Denver can't put you know Denver's coming off Thursday night football, so they got basically a week and a half to prepare for this man. If they can't put something together to beat Green Bay, it's time to really start. I mean, it's already been time to sound some alarms. It's time to like turn up the volume to full blast on the alarms. I do think just out of sheer desperation for something positive, I think that they give their best effort, and I think Denver wins this game. I would agree with you if Green Bay wasn't coming off a bye as well. I think Green Bay getting the bye when they did was the best thing for them just because they needed – they had so many injuries they needed to rest. I'm going to go Green Bay. I just think Denver is that bad, man. The Packers are in as a one-point favorite right now, going to going two mile high. Yeah, it's probably about right. All right, so we don't know how this one's going to shape out on Monday Night Football yet, but this is typically a pretty tough game, man. The Chargers heading into Kansas City to face the Chiefs. Yeah, dude, I just... I have no faith that the Chargers can beat them in Kansas City, though. I don't think Kansas City's playing great football at all right now. Their offense looks stagnant, but I just... Defense has been good, though. That's the yeah. crazy thing, dude. Yeah, the offense is the offense is kind of just, you know, taking care of business, and you'd never think you'd hear, like, just playing it safe with a Patrick Mahomes-led offense, but that's really kind of where they've been. Um, he's sitting at 1,500 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions, which is a great season for anybody else, but that's pretty much pedestrian by the standards that Mahomes has set so far in his career as a starter. Um, but, dude, the, that's the scary thing about them and the Lions. You know, last year they were kind of the two most explosive offenses, and now they got solid defenses this year, dude. Um, yeah, I think the Chiefs win, though, and I, I think they win pretty handily, actually. Yeah. Game of the week. Sunday night football, the Dolphins and the Eagles, dude. This is, should be a really, very interesting matchup, man. Like, it's you know, you hear in UFC, Styles make fights, and this is definitely a Styles clash right here. We got the Dolphins, who are basically a track meet every single Sunday, uh, going against the Eagles, who are just some freaking bruisers, man. They like to turn the game into a, a barroom brawl. Even their, you know, their best playmaker on offense, uh, AJ Brown, dude. He's not like he's like the exact opposite of Tyreek Hill as a wide receiver. He's like big, just going to outmuscle you for the ball and just freaking beat on you. Um, whereas Tyreek Hill is just, uh, you know, a speedster, man. Um, I think the Eagles get the win, dude. I think they bounce back from the loss. Jalen Hurts had one of the worst games he's had since he kind of really became the Jalen Hurts that, that we know and love. Uh, threw three picks yesterday. I think he shakes it off, and I, I think they get the win against the Dolphins in primetime. I do not like what I'm seeing from Jalen Hurts this season, man. I looked at his stats yesterday, the amount of picks he's thrown. Dude, I think he's got the Super Bowl hangover right now. Granted, I know they've only lost one game. I just, I don't know, man. I just think that the Dolphins are a better football team right now. I feel like Philadelphia is kind of just there right now. Like, we we talked about it last week. Yeah, they were at a good spot because they hadn't lost yet. But they really haven't played very good either. I just feel like the Dolphins with all that speed is just a problem for anybody and especially a team that is not good against the pass. I just I don't have a good feeling about this for the Eagles, so I'm going to go the Dolphins. Jalen Hurts so far this year, seven touchdown passes, seven interceptions. Yeah, dude, he's not been good at all. He, that's very bad. Whereas Tua is at 14 touchdowns, five interceptions. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Somebody brought it up yesterday, and I was like, God, dude, he's already got seven picks this season. I mean, he had three yesterday, right. but he's just – It's not, not been great. I still love that O-line and D-line enough. I think they're going to get after it and harass Tua. Um, as great as the Dolphins' offense is, I think if you're a really, really physical team, I think you can disrupt it. I, I You know, saying they're e- it's easy to throw them off track um, is maybe a little off base, but I just feel like they got a little bit of that like Rams, like greatest show on turf era type thing where – you can knock them out of their game and really make things a struggle for them. Um, and they maybe not, you know, I, I don't know how well they can make adjustments. We saw in the bills game, man, when things started going downhill, they got downhill pretty quick and ended up getting blown out. So I can see it going similar to that, man, but that's good, man. We got at least a couple games that we're picking different on. Yeah. 
All right, and last game, Monday Night Football. I think the Niners bounce back in a big way. I don't care. CMC and Debo can both set out. I think they still kick the shit out of the Vikings. Vikings without Justin Jefferson are a chore to watch, man. That game, that Bears-Vikings game was probably one of the worst football games I've ever watched in my life yesterday. That's just, the Vikings are so bad without him, man. Fun them. Dude, I'm I'm strongly considering shutting him down for the season and not like I know it's a lot to say full on tanking, but they're just not good enough, man. I think you need to re-sign him first, though, man. He he doesn't got a contract extension yet, right? No, he does not. Yeah, if I could, that I, I don't I think he's going to sign. Him down. Ex- I don't think he's going to sign an extension though if they commit to Kirk Cousins. I think that's his hesitancy right now because the rumor is they are already offered him the biggest wide receiver contract in NFL history, which isn't a surprise, but apparently he would not sign it. So I don't now, know, man. Maybe he's just waiting for bigger money. I can't imagine he's got that big a problem with Kirk, man. Say what you want about Kirk Cousins. He has fed Justin Jefferson the football. He has, but dude, guys like that, want, all they care about is winning. They're not worried about him breaking 2,500 yards. They just want to win. All right. He's, so he's watching, he's watching his boy, Jamar Chase ball out with Burrow, and it's just not enjoyable for him at all, I can't imagine. Yeah, I feel that. You do wonder what he would be able to do in an offense with a few more weapons or a little bit more explosive quarterback. Kirk's kind of just – he's good. I'm not going to say he's just a guy, but I don't know how much of he really elevates the players around him. All right, what are you doing if you're the Chargers here, man? We got fourth and goal from the one, down seven. You running or passing? Uh, I would pass, but, I mean, you got to have the ball in your best player's hand, and Herbert's their best player, so. There it is. Play action, rolling out. Got him. See, so, you know, that's the play that you're running something like that if you're the Falcons going for that two-point conversion. You that's, know what I mean? That was a really good play call. Yeah, that was uh, – Dude, like I said, I the, the Falcons have the biggest freak athlete ever at tight end, too, and they never use him on the goal line. Yeah, they basically got Julio Jones cloned, but as a tight end. Yeah, at 6'6". Six, six. Like, dude, what are we doing here, man? Just give the dude the ball. Hey, real quick, we're wrapping up the pig segment, but we didn't go too much in depth on him. What did you think of Tyrod Taylor's performance last night? He did enough to keep them in the game. I just – Tyrod Taylor has his limitations, obviously, at this point in his career, and he's not going to like light up the scoreboard or anything like that, but I, I don't think they need him to with the Giants anyway. Like They need to lean on the run, uh, play action. I mean – that's really what they do anyway. It's not like they're really changing their offense for him, you know? I thought he was dropping some dimes, dude, on those, some of those deep balls, and the Giants receivers just weren't making the plays for him, man. I've, I've been following this dude. I was in Virginia in the Hampton Roads area when he was he he played football there and was highly recruited, and it was such a big deal when he went to Virginia Tech. Um, I, I've always been a fan of his, man. I just feel like he's, you know, the Bills gave him, I think, two seasons as a starter, but it seems like nobody's ever really wanted to commit to him fully. He's always been like the – the temporary holdover, waiting for the the next franchise guy to come in. Yeah. All right, let's get to million dollar bets. Uh uh huh yeah. Uh uh huh yeah. All right, how we do last week? Oh boy, it, it's <laughs> the a mixed, Falcons fucked me. Mixed bag there, brother. Uh, so I had the Falcons minus two and a half for a hundred K obviously lost. I also had Detroit minus three and a half for a hundred K. So they won. So I'm still sitting at plus 100 K seven and five on the season. Seth had the jets plus six and a half for 25 K great bet. And then he had the Falcons minus two and a half for 150 K. So <laughs> Seth had a rough week, man. Seth, uh, you, is it too late to switch the money amounts on the bets? Dude? Yes, it is. So for you the swap season, around those money amounts and it turns into a great week. You're six and six and uh, minus one hundred and seventy five thousand. Fucking Falcons, dude. God. All right, I got my bets for this week, man. I am taking both undefeated teams that that had the L's against the spread. So I'm taking the Eagles at. Uh, with uh, giving up a point and a half and I'm taking the Niners giving up seven points to the Vikings. I will put a hundred K on the Niners and I'll put 50 K on the Eagles. 50 K on the Eagles minus one and a half. What was the Niners again? Minus seven. And you're putting a hundred K on the hundred K. Yep. 
Okay, minus seven. Got it. Okay, uh, we have different bets this week, thank God. Um, I'm going to go 100K on both of mine. I'm going to take Detroit plus three, and I'm going to take Cleveland minus two. Bet on the Browns with P.J. Walker at quarterback. It's risky, but the defense should deliver. Hey, man, got to risk it for the biscuit. All right, you ready for some listener mail? Yeah, let's get into it. A little bit of a lighter week on listener mail. You could, it, it's kind of sad, man. I feel like this represents all the uh, the people kind of just losing hope and, and already throwing in the towel on the football season. You know, like the, the first couple of weeks were just jam packed with like a dozen questions. Uh, you, you see people just starting to get fed up with football by this time. And you know, if you're if, if you're a fan of a team like the Titans, I really can't blame you because it can be a chore on Sundays. But first off, we got our man Tony Barker. Dipping into the college ranks, he says, "Is the bloom off the root off the rose for Coach Prime in Colorado after dropping that L to uh, Stanford? They gave up the uh, the biggest blown lead in school history on Friday night." All right, so th- this is one thing that I really noticed while watching that game. Um, that team goes as as Coach Prime goes. When they started giving up that lead, they gave up that ninety seven yard touchdown his entire like mood changed in that game. Like you just see it. He put the hood up, put the shades back on, put the headset over his hoodie. It was just like, he was unapproachable at that point. And dude, his team just stopped playing. Like we talked about this. Well, you were, you were the one that brought it up. And this week I really noticed it. Shadour Sanders is definitely not a first round quarterback. He's not even a second round quarterback. He's a third or fourth rounder at best. Dude, when things are not going well, that dude puts it in the tank, and he is not a good quarterback when things aren't going well. And honestly, man, when you're going into the NFL, that is a huge red flag. And I just – I don't know, man. That game against a terrible Stanford team on Friday night, I I know everybody – all that everybody wants to talk about is they've already won four games this year, but – Dude, when you lose that a took game, a lot of luster off it, man, for yeah, sure. The way they lost that one, that really, that really knocked a lot off of it. But one thing I'll say is, after the game, you can tell Dion's not like real, like in depth with like the schemes and stuff. You know what I mean? Like you, he's not, tell- dude. I think he's a he's a recruiter and a tone setter, man. I don't think he's a he's not like a Nick Saban or like a you know Kirk Ferentz at Iowa or even like a Jim Harbaugh, dude. He's not like a he's not an in game coach, man. I don't think he's digging in and saying like you know let's. Let's get, you know, some some robber coverage on defense. You know, let's get out of this cover three for a little bit. I don't think he's doing that. I think he I think that's all the coordinators, man, the X's and O's stuff. Another thing is Friday night, he should have taken Travis Hunter out of the game at some point, definitely on offense to give him a rest. Dude, teams are starting to learn that dude wears down at the end of the games and Stanford threw at him every single play, and that dude had three hundred yards receiving on Travis Hunter's head. Like I don't know, man. It's it's so weird to me that a guy that recruits that much talent can't have a good enough read on his players. Like Travis Hunter was just getting smoked and he just yeah, left. And the him. thing is, man, like you could tell it straight up was fatigue. I don't think Travis Hunter is a like an awful cornerback. I think no. he's I think he's a good cornerback. He he was just getting out muscled, dude. He was going up against a guy. First off, it was a bad mismatch. They had him on an island out there against that guy who was a brute. Now, admittedly, I'd never heard of this dude before, but just seeing him, dude was like 6'3", 230, man, and Travis Hunter's not a big guy. And even, the, you know, that last touchdown, Travis Hunter had pretty much perfect coverage on him. Dude just literally reaches around his head and grabs the ball, man. He just didn't quite have that extra juice to make the plays when they needed to get played. And yeah, you're right. Any other good coach would take him out or put him in the slot, right? If you just, if you're hell-bent on having him on defense, set him in the slot and let, let him play a little like zone. Um, but don't have him out going one-on-one against a dude who was having literally the game of his freaking life. They made such a big deal about the recruits and the coordinators that Dion got, and it appears that either the offense or defensive coordinator, neither one of them knows how to adjust in game. So something to monitor moving forward, and they're getting a bye week this week, and they need it in the worst way because their stretch run and find, finding two wins in there to get him to bull eligibility is basically impossible because it's a brutal stretch run. So best of luck to them. I don't think they're going to get bull eligible. And honestly, the way they started, I feel like that's going to be a, that's going to be a pretty big setback for them if they don't make a bull game, honestly. 
Yeah, I think regardless of how the season plays out from this point, I think when they take a step back and look at it, it's going to be a success, right? The amount of interest and eyeballs and money that's gotten pumped into the program since he took over, like that's that's a win no matter what. Um, but it was definitely charting to be something really special, man. It's like a story with some real substance to it at the start of the year. And now it looks like it's just going to be, you know, a decent little turn, or, you know, a hot start and, then, you know, some, some a solid stepping stone to whatever it's ultimately going to be at Colorado. Yeah, agreed. All right, next question. This is again from Tony. He says, do you think there's any chance New England will move on from Bill Belichick after this season? Um. So... No, just because he gets to go out on whatever way he wants to. And I think that's a deal him and Robert Kraft had agreed on. When Belichick doesn't want to do it anymore, that's when you fire him. Because here's the thing. If you fire Belichick, who are you going to hire? Like, who who, honestly in the NFL right now, outside of Andy Reid, is someone that you can legitimately be like, all right, we're replacing Coach Belichick with Andy Reid. Outside of that, dude, maybe Tomlin, like, I mean, seriously, who else can you even put on that team as the head coach and think like, oh, we've done a good job of keeping this going? I do think He's they the goat, man. I do think they need to fire him as the GM though and get an actual GM in there. Cause I I feel yeah, like I think I think maybe you have the conversation and see if you can kind of gently nudge him. I don't I don't I think he's above even being fired. I don't think you could like fire him as GM. I think you kind of maybe gently nudge him to into stepping down or Maybe even did. I mean, he's definitely earned it. Let him keep the GM title, but you hire somebody to be the de facto GM. You know what yeah. I mean? You hire an assistant GM or, you know, director of player personnel, team president, whatever you want to call them, and let them really be the, the GM on the day to day. And obviously, you still want it. You're never going to be in a situation if it's a, a football decision to be made. You're going to want Bill Belichick's input, but maybe just ease his workload a little bit. I think that's how I try to sell it if I'm Robert Kraft. Like, dude, you know, you know, spring chicken, dude, 70 years old. You know, let's just ease some of your workload and you can focus on what you do best, which is coaching these players up and getting them ready to go on game day. Yeah, I agree. All right. Sam Rosenthal hit us up. He says, what is happening with all these injuries this year? Do you blame no one playing preseason, the type of turf being used or the players nowadays being all muscle? I mean, dude, I think it's a mixture of all of it, honestly, like. I feel like the first three or four weeks, a lot of that could be blamed on they're having no preseason. They're not practicing a lot in the the training camps. Um, but I feel like now, dude, dude, players are just a hundred percent muscle. Like there is no fat on even like the line. <laughs> There's no give, dude. Yeah, I mean, I used to, I used to say that about Julio Jones, dude. Like, you know, obviously he was a beast, best wide receiver in Falcons history, one of the best wide receivers in in the history of the NFL. Yeah. I honestly think he's kind of underrated historically, but he was that same thing, dude. He was such a thoroughbred man that it's like it's just so easy for them to like tweak something or get something hurt. Whereas you had like Roddy White, who was the Falcons' number one wide receiver, you know, the the, the generation before Julio, it seemed like he never got hurt, and he was still in great shape. I mean, I'd kill to be in the same shape Roddy White was then, but he definitely had, was, you know, had a little bit more, just kind of like meat on his bones, and wasn't necessarily like you know like chiseled like a freaking statue like Julio was. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the, these players, dude. It, I mean. But yeah, when you're hurting something now, it's definitely 100% muscle because that's all they got. So, yeah, it. I mean, you can't really read too much into it. Like, dude, these players are on such a strict diet and they work out so much. Like, it, it just kind of is what it is. All right, and last question. Are either of you excited for the NCAA football game to come back next year? I can tell you, I'm super stoked, man. That's been a huge hole in my video game life. I still have a PlayStation 2 hooked up in my office, and I still play NCAA football 2004. That was my favorite from that series. Um, College football was so much fun to play on video games. I had so much fun over the years playing those games, and I'm super, super excited for the comeback next year. And, I, you know, I'm putting my faith in EA Sports that they do it right. Oh yeah, this is this was a game I bought every single season. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times there wasn't even any changes, but I had to have every one of them. Um, I still have everything from '99 to 2014 in my house right now. So, um, dude, if you need some coin, that 2014 one goes for about a hundred bucks online. Yeah, I'm not getting that's rid an of it. expensive game dude, to get. Dude. Hey, during COVID, the highest it got it was at like 200 bucks during COVID because everybody was looking for something to do. And I, I contemplated it then, but man, it, it's just really hard for me to get rid of that one. 
So my friend uh, in the Navy, so I went on deployment uh, 2020, uh, to, or excuse me, late 2019 to, uh, through like the middle part of 2020 out, out on a ship in the middle of the ocean. And one of the few things we had to do was my buddy James brought his PlayStation three with NCAA football 2014. And he had gotten a roster file that had the 2019 like college season roster on there, dude. That was, it was so much fun playing that man. We, we had a freaking ball. Yeah. Th- those are cool. The updates and stuff are really cool. All right, so that's a wrap for this week's uh, this week's episode of The Goal Line. Jordan, remind the listeners where they can find us on social media. Sure, on Twitter X, you can find us at goal underscore line underscore pod. And on Instagram, it's The Goal Line Football Show. All right, and you want to hit us with any uh, closing thoughts before we get out of here? Hopefully, uh, Falcons play better this week. And uh, if your team lost this week, other than the Saints, sorry about your damn luck. Hey, real quick, man, hit us with what's the final score of this Cowboys Chargers game going to be? It's 17 to 17 with three minutes to go, and the Cowboys are driving. I think the Cowboys score here, make it 24 17. I think the Chargers get all the way down and are unsuccessful, and the Cowboys win 24 17. I'm going to be bold. I say we go 20 to 20, and the Chargers win in overtime 23 to 20. <sighs> that is bold. <laughs> so we got a live predict what the hell happened there all right we're gonna get off here we uh we, we think this the you know the end of these nfl games take about 15 minutes we're not gonna stay on for the whole thing but thank you guys for the support keep the questions coming in and we will talk to you guys next week mm-hmm.